Welcome to The Screen Queen, the show where I'll be talking about your favorite TV show or your favorite movie. You'll just have to listen to find out. This is your host, Samantha Parrish. Hello there, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I am your lean, mean, movie-talking machine, your screen queen, Samantha Parrish. Now that 90s films are starting to go through a resurgence period that most of the films that didn't make it back in the 90s now have a new home 30 years later. I've talked about many of the hidden 90s gems on this show, and this is one 90s gem that has a <laughs> one hell of a history behind it for someone to find out. Men at Work is such a weird movie that exists, and there are a lot of weird movies that exist, but this is like a specific weird where... It's in a time period that's changing everything, and you could see a movie like this shown today. Kind of. I don't know. There's some points in there that definitely didn't age well, but it's not an offensive movie that definitely looks like it could be an offensive movie. It's like they're on the cusp of it, and then they don't do it, which is, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise. This movie didn't really get a lot of places, but it's mostly known in cinema history as one of the first films to ever feature Charlie Sheen with his brother, Emilio Estevez. And they've worked on some movies together in the whole Sheen-Estevez family, but you never really got it until now. And there's kind of a reason why you don't see the two of them together a whole lot, and I'll get into more of their work together as the episode progresses. But it's one of those films that you can watch and you can sort of predict it from the get-go. You know what kind of hijinks they're going to get into. But... It's like a film that I can define as an enjoyable waste of time. I know that it's silly humor, but I enjoy watching the silly humor. I don't mind having to say that it's like a laid-back kind of film. I'm not expecting gold, but I like the copper that it brings. It still has some value to it. So, here we go. We're about to go into a very odd movie of the 90s. This is Men at Work. While I was writing this episode... It really made me think about how much I used to have a crush on Emilio Estevez when I was younger, but I want to be specific that I don't have a crush on him at, like, the age he was when I was a teenager, because I know, but, you know, I've gotten older, and so has Emilio, and I know he was definitely old when I was a teenager, so, like, it's not that kind of ick factor. Uh, I loved the movies that he was in in the 80s and 90s when he was in his 20s. Like, that was like, oh, my God. Oh, man, he was my crush, even though he was definitely older than the time frame that I saw him in the movies. Uh, he just brings so much to a, a film, a certain kind of charm, kind of a scampiness that I always love to see, that kind of energy that he brought He's like a he plays characters that you believe in. So when I see him in Men at Work, I'm like I'm already like uh, on board with his character with the energy that he brings. And with this one, he has more like anxious energy, which is kind of funny to see him really like squirm because it's a dark humor he's getting into. And uh, I've seen so many of his movies. I I I had my poor mother try to find everything in the. 80s and a little bit of the 90s my poor mother I made my poor mother find these movies for me like in hindsight I just didn't seem thing like virtually uh weird about it and my mom god bless her she would never 
do anything uh, that would make me feel bad about nothing to feel bad about. She had a very good grace with handling a lot of my ADHD and my ADD when I would present a lot of abnormal uh, <laughs> requests. But this, in terms of it, it's not too severe. She had no, no problem looking at movies, but she never let me live it down. She always had to say, like, what celebrities I had a crush on that were older than me, but because I loved them in that specific age range. But still, I, I don't blame her for looking for an angle because she did have to look through so many movies for me and hear me gush about what I found out with that, um, with that actor, what they did for that movie back when she was in the 80s and 90s, so she got to also experience a different kind of memory lane for how I talk about her decade. It's a very weird tangent, but hopefully, hopefully that made sense. Anyway, back on track with the film. I'm sure a lot of you don't know what Men at Work is, and that's okay. It's a film that went under the radar, but it's been so long that I've seen it that I had to go back and, uh, review the plot of it because I don't think you want my synopsis for uh, this film. Trust me, it's it goes a lot of different directions. So I'm going to read to you exactly what it says on IMDb. Two garbage men uncover a conspiracy involving illegal toxic waste dumping and decide to bring the whole operation down. That is much better than what I was originally going to say. I, oh lord, it's been so long. So this movie... I think it really rode on the fame of having Martin Sheen's sons in a film together. And a lot of people that knew about the Sheen family had wondered, well, when are the brothers going to work together? Martin Sheen has worked with Charlie and he's worked with Emilio. Emilio, God, that was a, a really weird way to say it. Uh, but when was the day going to happen? And it did. And for what they brought to the film, it's not that bad. Charlie Sheen was kind of getting into a different groove in the 90s before he became a bitchin' rock star from Mars when that whole debacle happened. But this was one of the very early things he did for comedy. He primarily worked with uh, action movies. I mean, he did uh, Red Dawn. He did um, a couple other screwball things. I think he had a cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's been kind of going around the genres. But dark humor was definitely on the horizon because looking at what he would do eventually with anger management as well as Two and a Half Men doing that kind of uh, snarky humor. Th this is kind of like the first example we got before he went on to go do things like Two and a Half Men and anger management. However, I will say even though I haven't really been into his TV shows, I'm glad I do get to experience what Charlie Sheen can do for humor, as well as what Emilio Estevez can do for humor as well. And the two of them just work together very well. However, with that being said, the brothers have never gotten along. Looking at them in the movie, I thought, wow, that must be so cool. He gets to work with his family, but they weren't too thrilled about it. Uh, both of the brothers have gone on to say that they're not as close as people perceive them to be in real life. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, there are certain families I see in, uh, in certain celebrities film families that I see, and I think they're like tight knit, but they're not. I did an episode about 
Spirited Away back for Anime August, and I was shocked to find out that Hayao Miyazaki, the guy who makes films for all ranges, kind of specifically for children, is not very close with his children. Like, I can understand that, and I can see that. Sometimes it's just not what, what people think to be, but thankfully they never had a controversial relationship. They were just amicable, even if they weren't close. But you would never think that when you watch these two together. When they played the characters, Carl Taylor and James St. James, oh fuck, I forgot that that was Emilio Estevez's name. <laughs> what? Anyway, oh god. Um, they do bring a certain kind of deadpan charm. One of my favorite scenes that they did, and it still lives in my head, is when they're picking up the garbage and they're not, they're being kind of trashy about their trashy jobs where like they're like bowling the, uh, the trash cans together, basically making their job harder for them, but also fun for them at the same time. And they're encountering some of the garbage men that pick on them. It's like, wow, I didn't think that this was gonna be garbage men versus garbage men i guess everyone just kind of trashy in this movie for the fact that it's a trashy movie i'm surprised i didn't hear a lot of trash talk you know but there's a part in the film where these two garbage men are picking on uh carl and james and i honestly can't remember what it was that it was said but the two characters just look at each other and just go golf clap golf clap and they just do a little golf clap and it's just I thought that was so great that has lived with me rent free and I do that myself on a couple of occasions where I'm just like oh golf clap for petty people love it but man it's it's a wild movie having to think about it it's not the movie that I would pen it out to be even though the fucking front cover is a dead body sticking out of a garbage pan. That is the kind of dark humor that was written there, but it wasn't as dark as I thought it was going to be. Dark humor had a lot of changes in the years that some things have gotten too dark, some things not dark enough. This kind of played the lines where it can be wholesome enough, but it's not going to make your stomach sink on itself. Like, oh yeah, I felt that. That's funny, but I felt that on a level. Like I said, it's a movie that was on the cusp of being uh, too much, but that's where it kind of has its tone. It just wants to go far enough. It could have definitely gone darker, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't. If the movie was going to be remade, I can definitely see it going ten times darker than the premise. It was just like, it's just asking for it to go darker. But I will have to say, as much as I love Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez in this movie, when I went to rewatch it, Keith David was the one that stole the show for me. I had honestly forgotten Keith David was in the movie because I was too young to recognize Keith David. It wasn't until I gotten older. And I... Honestly, when it comes to Keith David, you could throw a dart at any film title and be surprised to find out that he was in it. Like, Roadhouse. Dart. Princess Mononoke. That's a dart. Smiley. Dart. The Thing. Dart. Teen Titans, special dart. I could honestly keep going and I'm gonna run out of fucking darts. That is how much 
he's had a presence in the past 30, 40, 50 years, and he's just the best part that doesn't really get recognized too much. And it hurts even more for the fact that he's recognizable in what is kind of usually considered a unrecognizable film. But knowing it's in there, it makes him stick out all the more. And his character is so much. He plays a character that comes in at the absolute wrong time, which is the best time. <laughs> Where Carl and James think, oh, well, we're garbage men. Let's just trash the body. Nothing could possibly go wrong. It had to be this specific day that Lewis Fetter shows up to do a inspection of their job, seeing if they're up to par, making sure that nothing could possibly go wrong. Lewis ends up adding to the chaos, and it is just pure nirvana. I have never seen Keith David in a comedy film, but because this is a dark comedy film, the kind of range that he plays with doing unhinged characters, it just fits right in with this world. It is so funny the way that he gives a deadpan delivery, or he will scream and laugh and banter on like he is having the best day of his life and honestly it gives everyone the best day of their life he is like the median between both of the characters of carl and james in a very strange perfect dynamic or i should say triad but it is so damn funny the way keith david makes everything so serious because his character is a vietnam vet so all of his military knowledge is going into his job and he's treating Carl and James like soldiers and disciplining them like soldiers. And it really does make the film 10 times more funnier with having different types of comedy into it. Having uh, Charlie Sheen's kind of laid back comedy and having Emilio Estevez having a very anxious comedy and then you have Keith David, who was bringing this very intense, um, like, energy into his character. And it just kind of mellows with everything else and brings a lot more to the film. I would say that the film doesn't really get into its dark humor energy until probably the halfway point of the film, where things turn into a screwball comedy as well as dark humor. It's kind of rare that you see both different types of comedy going on because I just mentioned that there are several different types of comedy within the characters. Don't quote me on it, but it's just from what I saw. At the halfway marker in the movie, and I hope I'm painting the picture the best way I can off of memory, right when Carl and the love interest character, uh, played by, I think her name is Leslie Hope. Let me look that up real quick. Oh my gosh, I was right. That's a first. Uh, they're kidnapped by the actual hitman, and now it's up to James and, <laughs> and Lewis to go save Carl and the girl, and it's, uh, <laughs> it just goes crazy, where, uh, James gets pulled over with Lewis and the pizza delivery guy that's also kind of been kidnapped. Like, you see this is going extra crazy with this film. And uh, the Renicops that have been these weird side characters that also give a lot of hell to Carl and James. And Lewis just looks at the camera and goes, Renicops. 
I hate running cops. <laughs> Losing my voice just saying that. And the next thing you see is the rent cops being stripped down to their undies and they're handcuffed to a, um, what's it, like a playground turn spinny thingy? I don't know what the term is for, but you know what it is. And, like, James and the pizza delivery guy are just looking in absolute shock and awe and horror that, <laughs> that these two rent cops are being spun fervently by Lewis and Lewis is just laughing maniacally and then finally James just starts chuckling to the point that he is just laughing so hard and I'm like all right now it's a dark humor that moment is so beautiful I could play it on loop forever and laugh every single time it's a scene that you can look at where James is either like lost his mind and he's laughing out of hysterics or He's finally getting to see justice happen to two police officers that are abusing their power to pick on him and Carl, and he's laughing out of the justice that's happening. You can take that scene for many different elements of what it does to a dark humor moment. But honestly, that scene is what solidifies for me to be a dark humor. Now, I've always said that you can pick and choose how you want to experience a film, that there's no wrong way to experience a film as long as it was a good experience for you but the way this film goes with dark humor is kind of spotty at times from how I rewatched it because I had to rewatch this without my love for Emilio Estevez and really see it for the film and its plot and with it being a dark humor the dark humor just went right over my head when I was a kid and now that I am a author of a dark humor series, I kind of got the things that <laughs> went over my head as a kid. There is a well-known thing about Emilio Estevez, and of course I would know this since I was once an Emilio Estevez file. I don't know how we're going to term that, but that's the best I got right now. Emilio Estevez has often talked about the pranks that he would pull. He did it for many of his films. He did it for Young Guns. And when he had it happen to him, oh, he, it was like legendary all the way. And it was the kind of pranks that are so wholesome and not going to be scarring. You know, the good kind of pranks. And there's one that I just read about that I did not know at all where... It says here in the trivia, Charlie Sheen pulled a prank on Emilio Estevez by saying that he had punched a paparazzo in a restaurant on the night before filming. Sheen took it further by having an on-set police officer who was working security arrest him for assault while he was filming a scene. Estevez was stunned until Sheen returned laughing. <laughs> that is funny, man. Oh, my God, I bet that like set the stage for the fact that Estevez plays a character that's supposed to be stunned at all times, like just mortified by the, by the morbidity and the madness of everything going on. That's a prank that kind of parallels what's going on, you know, in, in a very strange way it does. So I did a little bit more digging into Men at Work to see if there's anything else that I missed now that I'm in a better mindset to really see this film for what it is. And, um... I wasn't the only one that got shocked by the uh, stuff that went over my head. Japan uh, rallied to have this film banned. Japan wanted nothing to do with Men at Work. 
because of the way the film depicted trash collectors. Now, even though the whole point of the film is that Carl and James are not so good at their jobs, but they're also abusing their job to get rid of a body, that is the hijinks, but in the reality of it all, they're not professional people. I can definitely see why Japan would find this to be offensive material given the way that it's depicting a profession of someone's job. If I was a garbage man and I felt like I was depicted as someone that slacked on the job, I'd, I'd be a little I'd be a little mad too. It's kind of rare that we do get like authentic representation of someone's job in the film. I can't say that I'm too surprised that Japan would want this film banned since they do have a very extensive list of what they don't want in their country and for their own reasons. So there's something else that I just happened to read in the trivia that really has made me appreciate Men at Work being in its exact year in the 90s, that it's one of two films, comedy specifically, about garbage collectors. First one being, well, Men at Work, and the second one, a Australian film called Garbo, which I have never heard until just now. And it says right here on IMDb, the latter, which debuted about a couple of years after the first, referenced the former with a tagline on its home video sleeve. It stated, there are men at work, the disposable heroes. That is funny. That is clever. Australia made a reference to a film that just sort of came and went, but had to acknowledge that there was another film an action comedy about garbage men. It's kind of like a nice double feature or like some kind of like a sister sequel in a way. But I guess you could say the 90s were looking pretty trashy if you think about it. You know what happened? Garbage men, like having films about them in the first like latter of the five years of the 90s. That's, that's pretty ironic, funny, and convenient. For a film like Men at Work that was just there, I enjoyed it for, you know, for its film, it's not my favorite, but you know, I enjoy it like many others enjoy it. I've mentioned this film to some of my friends' parents and they even vaguely remember it. It's just memorable enough to know that it exists in someone's mind. I have to say, I had a lot of fun going back and looking at this film. I remember I watched it a lot when I was younger, but everything went right over my head. And now that I've gotten to a part in my life where I'm a dark humor writer, so I digest a lot of dark humor movies and jokes and to know that I watched one the entire time and went right over my head. It definitely needs a lot more credit than it deserves, even though it's just a film that's just kind of there. But I'm glad that it's there. There are still a lot of people that reference this film. I mean, Australia referenced this film. Japan got mad about this film. It still made an impact, even if it was a very quiet impact. I guess you could say that even though this film is pretty trashy, it is definitely a treasure. And that is officially a wrap on the Men at Work episode. This was surprisingly very small for the episodes I've been putting out, but it's just a simple film that just had some simple things to talk about. So, with that said, it is time to find out what the next episode is going to be on the Screen Queen. So, here we go. If you're new here, 
welcome glad you could join us i have a little system where i have a whole bunch of random suggestions of tv shows movies anything that's been recommended to me to put on the show and i have it in this little container and i basically vanna white my way through this and uh pick out a suggestion so we both find out together what the next episode is going to be on the screen queen so here we go let me just get this mixed up really good i'm glad i got a bigger container because lord there's a lot of stuff in here man i've been adding some stuff to it okay i got one what are you tell me your secrets <laughs> ah, ah, ah. oh this is gonna be a fun one so it's been a while since i've done a episode like this so the next episode on the Screen Queen is a topic episode, a little Sammy spotlight for me, where I'll be talking about the movies I regret watching. Oh man, that is going to be interesting. I know there might be some people that uh, might listen to that episode and probably have something in common with me, so that'll be fun to get into. Alrighty, well... Thank you so much for being here. If you'd like to catch up with me in between uploads, you can find me on my Instagram. We could talk about Emilio Westevez if you had an unhealthy obsession with him too. Uh, my Instagram handle is at the queen of the screen. And if you'd like to catch up with me on TikTok, I also post up some funny movie related content up there. Uh, my username is at the mystical space witch. And if you would like to see the dark humor book that I wrote, uh, you can find that in the description box. Alrighty, stay amazing and take care of yourselves. Don't be trashy, okay? Alright, y'all take care now. Bye bye!